ever feel like the pieces of your life are all jumbled up? Like someone or something just shook up a box of puzzle pieces and dumped them right on your lap? I have to think I'm not the only one who's felt this before. Well, how do you figure out how to begin putting the pieces back together? That's what we're gonna figure out in this video together. Hi, my name is Chastity, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. Welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. We are an online group who know that life can be confusing and the difficult times we are all living in right now don't make it any easier. But we have found that life with Jesus makes our life easier and full of rest. And we wanna help you find all that God has in store for you. Because no matter what you think about God, we believe he can't stop thinking about you. He is for you and only has good things for your life. And so we want you to join our community here to find the good and pleasing life Jesus wants for you by following his central command to love everyone always. Throughout our video message, you'll see a number on the screen. If at any point you feel like reaching out to find someone to talk about taking a next step with God or with our community, go ahead and text that number. It will go directly to our speaker and they will get back with you as soon as they are able. But the best way to get more involved in our community is by saying hello. Take a moment right now to join in our live chat. Or if you're watching on demand, leave a comment to join the conversation. And if you've never joined in our chat before, we are so excited to hear from you that we wanna offer you a free $10 Grubhub gift card just for commenting for the very first time. All you need to do is leave a first time chat with the words, I love free food, and we'll send you a Grubhub gift card for free. It's that easy. And if you're not watching on a live stream right now, we've got you covered too. Just text the words, I love free food to the number at the top of the screen and we'll make sure you get your Grubhub gift card. I hope this is something you'll take advantage of because we are so excited that you're here and we can't wait to hear from you. We'll be getting started today with our main idea for the day, but we want you to keep chatting. And as you do that, let's go ahead and watch this together. You ever had the experience of dropping a glass or a dish and watching like you're in slow motion as it falls to the kitchen floor, shatters into a million pieces? And there you are, standing in the middle of a room full of broken glass, wondering how in the world you're going to clean it up. If you have, it's a pretty helpless feeling, isn't it? Or when you spill something all over the floor and it's such a major mess that you just don't even know where to start. Which leads me to this question. What's the biggest mess you've ever made? And were you able to clean it up? In fact, you can text me at the number on the screen and tell me all about it. And I might tell you about mine because it was a pretty big one and it was nearly impossible to clean up. And if you're new to Community Christian, let me introduce myself. I'm Jason, I'm one of the pastors here. And anytime you'd like to reach out and tell me your thoughts or start a conversation or just ask a question, you can just send me a message at that number and I'll respond as soon as I can. Now, speaking of broken messes, I grew up in a house with a younger brother and like all boy houses, 
we were constantly being told by our mom, stop throwing balls in the house. In fact, I think that's probably the most repeated rule in a house with boys. Stop playing ball in the house, take it outside. Because sooner or later, we would always manage to knock over some nice, fragile decoration my mom had out and break it into pieces all over the floor. I mean, there's no telling how many furnishings in our living room were being held together by mom's ingenuity and super glue. And I don't know what it is about my mom. She's still like this today. You hand her something in pieces with a tube of super glue or a hot glue gun, that thing will be back together in less than 15 minutes. I don't know, I guess it's just that magical thing mom ha moms have of fixing things and putting them back together one way or another. If only life was like that, right? If only there was a super glue for the broken pieces of my life. Because most of us, we've done a pretty good job of breaking things that we can't seem to put back together. Whether it's friendships, marriages, jobs, kids, even our own bodies, our own minds, our spiritual and emotional well-being. Sometimes it just feels like there's a lot of broken, fragmented parts lying on the ground, and it's tough to even know where to start picking up the pieces and cleaning up all the mess. Well, that's what this series of talks is all about. If you haven't been with us for the past couple of weeks, we're exploring something that Jesus, our leader, said that we believe could be the way that your life can go from being fragmented in pieces to becoming whole again. Now, if you're new to our community or to just church in general, we believe that Jesus came into this world, he was God in the flesh, and he revealed to us exactly what God is like, what God thinks, what he feels. And then Jesus proved he was who he claimed to be by rising from the dead. And so now we follow Jesus because we're convinced that he's right about everything including how to fix the broken pieces of our lives. Now, you may not believe all of that yet. And if not, I want you to know that you're welcome here to grow and learn and be a part of this community, no matter what you believe. Because like you've already heard us say, no matter what you think about God, we believe God can't stop thinking about you. Now, one time, Jesus was asked what he thought was the most important commandment to follow. And here was his response. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Which was kind of an interesting answer to start with because this is more of a statement than a command. But Jesus is making a point. When Jesus says that God is one, he means that God is whole, complete, not fragmented or in pieces. He is everything. He is all put together, so to speak. It points to this idea that the Jewish people referred to as shalom. It was a word that meant complete or perfect, peaceful and whole. And in other words, shalom is when things are precisely the way they were meant to be. It's pretty much the state that you want your life to be in. A place of perfect and complete peace. Jesus said, this is who God is. The one Jesus said that we could call our father. And that leads to the rest of Jesus' thoughts on this most important commandment. Jesus said, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus says God is one. He's whole. But here's the truth. And I probably didn't need to tell you this. You are not. <laughs> and neither am I. We're in pieces. 
Our lives are broken and messed up and fragmented. But the good news, Jesus says, is that if we bring our broken pieces and submit them to God, He can make our broken lives whole. Jesus invites us to love God with all our whole heart, with our whole soul, with our whole mind, our whole strength. And if you were with us last week, we learned that all of those things that Jesus listed represent the fragmented parts of our lives. Your heart refers to the stuff that you want, your desires. So your heart is your wanter. Your soul refers to your emotions. It's your feeler. Your mind is, of course, about your thoughts. It's your thinker. And your strength is your doer, your actions, your body. And here's what Jesus means. If you can bring your desires, your feelings, your thoughts, and your actions into alignment with what God wants, you can experience the kind of life that God intended for you to live. In case you were wondering, God only wants good things for your life. He loves you. He's for you. Now, in our previous gathering, we learned about loving God with our whole heart or our wants and our desires. And if you want to hear more about that idea, you might want to go back on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page and check out that experience. But today, I want us to discover what it means to love God with all our souls. For thousands of years, Jewish men and women have prayed the following words of Scripture daily. These words remind us of the kind of wholeness that God wants to bring to our lives. A life where we live heart, soul, mind, and strength, fully focused and devoted to God. It's in this kind of unity where we find true peace and wholeness in the midst of our brokenness. So today, let's take a moment and pray these words together. After we do, reflect on any areas of your life where you are currently experiencing brokenness in your emotional world. Where are you not feeling the wholeness of God in your life? Think on that as we read these words together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, reflect on where these words are not true for your life. Let's once again read these words together. And this time in the silence, ask God to bring wholeness to the broken pieces of your life. If you're not sure you believe in all of this, would you take advantage of this moment of silence to maybe offer a prayer to God asking Him if He's real to reveal Himself to you? I believe He wants to do that. Now, let's pray these words again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, ask your Heavenly Father to bring the pieces of your life into His perfect peace. Father, thank you for your desire to bring our lives into your perfect peace. Thank you for Jesus, who himself prayed that we would experience unity within ourselves among one another. 
And most of all, that we will live in perfect unity with you, just as you live in perfect unity with the Son and the Holy Spirit. May you draw us closer towards this wholeness today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, when Jesus said to love God with all your soul, the word he uses that we translate as soul contains some pretty big meanings. It can refer to the essence of who you are. It's what makes you, you. In other words, you don't just have a soul, you are a soul. And Jesus taught us that when our bodies die, we don't cease to exist because you are not just your body. There is a you beyond what can be physically seen or touched. So that's one idea around that word soul. But in this context, Jesus uses the word alongside all these other aspects of who we are, our hearts, our minds, our strength, or our bodies. So what Jesus is most likely referring to here is another meaning of the word soul, which I mentioned earlier. He's talking about your soul as your feeler. He's referring to your emotions. Love God with every emotion that you feel. So what does that practically look like? Well, have you ever found yourself being led through life or even dominated by the way you feel, by your emotions. When I started thinking about this idea, I couldn't help but think about the newest member of my family. And no, my wife didn't have a baby, but in a lot of ways, it kind of feels like it. Her name is Hazel, and she is a golden doodle puppy, which is a mix between a poodle and a golden retriever. And I know what you're thinking. That's the most beautiful dog I've ever seen. She looks like a cute, cuddly, stuffed animal that you can just hold and cuddle with, but you would be wrong. What you're looking at, ladies and gentlemen, is a creature who is 100% ruled and dominated by her emotions. If she feels it, she expresses it. If she feels an urge to do something, she does it. There is no thinking going on whatsoever. And mostly what she feels like doing for 99% of her waking moments is chewing, biting, and destroying every object she can get into her mouth. Now, seriously speaking, I love this dog. She's great. She's growing, she's learning, and she's brought so much laughter and joy into our family. So I'm not complaining, really. But my point is this. In a lot of ways, we can find ourselves going through life kind of like Hazel does, ruled by dominate and ruled and dominated by our emotions. And I know that things like this are easier to see in other people than in ourselves. So why don't we talk for a minute uh, about that? Have you ever known somebody who seemed to make decisions based only on their emotions? Maybe it seemed like they were just constantly changing their minds every moment because their feelings were always changing. People who moved from job to job based on how they felt or from relationship to relationship. Someone who never saw a product that they wanted without buying it. Someone who never had an emotion that wasn't expressed. And for the most part, how does that way of doing life work out for them? I'll bet, generally speaking, not too well. I'm guessing relationships are harder, a little bit more strained. Stability and security in their life is hard to come by. Stress and anxiety, certainly higher. Now, let me say something right here so that you don't misunderstand my point. Emotions are not bad. The ability to feel and to express our emotions, it's a gift from God. In fact, 
Christ followers believe that every human being is created in the image of God. And part of God's image in us is our emotions. In fact, we read in the Bible that God himself feels and expresses emotion. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, experienced the entire spectrum of emotions. He was angry at times. He wept and grieved the loss of a friend. Jesus celebrated. He was happy. Believe it or not, Jesus laughed and he even poked fun at people. So emotions, they're not bad. In fact, I would even say that if someone swings in the complete opposite direction and they shut down their emotions and they never express emotion, then it can be just as devastating to a life as being ruled by your emotions. Suppressing emotions can cut us off from love and relationships with people and with God. It can lead us to become isolated. It can make us susceptible to being abused or hurt. So my point is, emotions themselves are not the problem, but being ruled by our emotions can be. And even though, like I said, it can be tough to see it in ourselves, I'll bet if you're honest, there's a specific moment you can point to, probably just in the last seven days or so, when you allowed your emotions to win the day. In fact, just think back to the last thing you did or the last thing you said that you regret. My guess is that action you took or that word you spoke sprang from an emotional decision rather than something that was well thought out. You felt excited, for instance, about something, and that led you to become impatient. And so you jumped out ahead. You made a quick decision without really thinking about it first. Or maybe something was said to you by a friend, a spouse, a coworker, a child, or a parent, and you felt that anger welling up inside of you. And so you lashed out with words, or maybe something worse. And you found yourself in a state of sadness, maybe. Or, or maybe everything just seemed lost and hopeless. So what'd you do? You retreated. You cut yourself off from people who love you. Or maybe you just threw up your hands and you said, I quit. See, allowing our emotions to dictate all of our decisions, that can be a dangerous thing. And it tends to lead us away from the life that God offers us. A life Jesus said was full and abundant, free and easy and light. See, here's the thing about your emotions. Emotions aren't very good guides for decision-making. When we make decisions based purely on our emotions, we have a tendency to get off track. Now, why is that? Because our emotions can sometimes be deceiving. They can blind us to reality. Now, every one of us knows that just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. Just because I feel a certain way doesn't mean I should act upon that feeling, at least not in the way that I want to right there in that moment. So if emotions aren't good guides for us, well, what are they good for? Well, I'm glad you asked. Emotions are better used as signals instead of guides. Now, of course, they're real and you should pay attention to them because emotions are telling us something but they're not always at, as good at telling us what to do as they are at telling us why we should take an action. Uh, think of emotions kind of like the warning lights on the dashboard of your car. So if you see the check engine light on your car start to flash, what should you do? Well, first of all, you don't just ignore it and you don't just hope it goes away because that light's on for a reason. And if you ignore it long enough, you could be doing serious damage to your car. But on the other hand, you don't just reach behind the dashboard and only react to the warning light itself. Again, the light is not the issue. The light is trying to tell you something. 
It's pointing you to the source of the problem, if there even is a problem. It's an invitation to investigate. And once you've investigated the source of that emotion, then you're probably in a much better place to respond in an appropriate way. So, when you feel an emotion come over you, instead of just reacting to it immediately, you're much better off investigating that emotion first. And I want to give you some thoughts and some steps on how you can do this, because this really is a part of what Jesus meant when he invited us to love God with our souls or our emotions. First, I know there may be some of you watching and you are currently struggling with some pretty intense emotions, and I get that. So before we move on to how, our host is going to come back and they're going to lead us in a time of prayer. As we've said throughout this video, we want this experience to be more than just content you consume, but a community you can be committed to. Throughout its history, the church has used prayer as a powerful way that we can love one another in our community. So we wanna take a moment of our time together to pray for one another. If right now there's some area of your life or your emotional world where you need prayer, I want to encourage you to tell us about it in our chat right now. We believe God cares about every part of our life, no matter how small or trivial it may seem to us. God encourages us to come to Him with all our concerns, and we would love to help you do that. And if you're watching and you're not sure you believe all we do, I get that this time of prayer may not feel like much more than wishful thinking, but I hope you understand that even though we can't be sure of what God will do, Followers of Jesus know that the heart of God is good and kind and His loving favor is directed towards all people. I would encourage you to use this time of prayer to simply reflect on that idea. Is it possible that there is a God who only wants good things for us? Could He possibly want to be involved in your life as well? Maybe use this time to reach out to Him in prayer or to reach out to our speaker for today through text. But right now, I'd like to say a prayer for everyone watching. If you feel comfortable doing so, would you join me? Heavenly Father, I know that your greatest desire is for every person to live in complete wholeness and unity with you and with others. But I know that many of us joining in this video are not feeling your perfect peace and wholeness in our lives right now. So I pray for those who are struggling with their emotional health, for those dealing with anxiety, panic attacks, dread and depression. Would you bring peace and joy to them in the midst of the brokenness they're feeling right now? For those with deep anger, bitterness, maybe even rage towards others, towards you, or maybe toward themselves in feelings of shame, would you wrap your loving, gentle arms around us and lead us towards laying down our weapons and trusting in you? For those who are hurting from deep wounds, relational turmoil, trauma from the past, would you bring healing in only the way that you can? For those living in the chaos of emotions that are too complex or too deep for us to even name them or fully understand them, would you bring clarity? And for all of us, would you help us to trust in you over our fleeting emotions? As we submit our lives to you, help us to feel your perfect peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. So when Jesus tells his followers to love God with all our souls or our emotions, what does that look like? Well, it really looks like an act of submission to God. And I know that might not sound appealing at first to you, and it may be something that you need to work out for yourself, but 
Remember what I said earlier in this talk. As Jesus followers, we believe that he is right about everything. And so, we submit ourselves, our whole selves, heart, soul, mind, and body, to his wisdom and his leadership. So that means I submit my emotions to Jesus as well. And I let his wisdom guide me in how I respond to them. I don't just do what feels right to me or what comes natural to me. I go to God for wisdom on how to handle my emotions. Now, one of the earliest followers of Jesus was a man named James. And he wrote about this idea in an ancient document that we have preserved of his. And by the way, here's what I think is an amazing fact. James was Jesus's younger brother. He started out thinking that his older brother was crazy for claiming to be the son of God. But then James saw his brother alive after he was crucified. And he went on to lead a church right there in the same city where Jesus was killed. And right up until he died, James followed his brother Jesus as his Lord. And in this document that he wrote, James says, hey, look, if you need wisdom on how to do life, just ask God for it. Trust him for wisdom. Don't be someone who's tossed about back and forth like a wave of the sea that's blown around by the wind. Now, that sounds to me like someone who's ruled by their emotions, right? James says, you don't have to live that way. You can trust your feelings to God and he will guide you on how to handle them. And then later, he gives a specific example of an emotion that we all feel from time to time. But I think this principle he talks about here, it applies to all of our emotions. James says, make sure you're quick to listen, you're slow to speak, and you're slow to get angry. In other words, be careful not to react too quickly to your emotions because they're not good at guiding your decisions. Listen to your emotions as signals to alert you to something that may be wrong or that needs attention. And when you discover what that emotion is all about, then you can respond in the way that God would have you to respond. So whether you feel happy or excited, sad, fearful, disgusted, surprised, or angry, you submit that feeling to God. You ask for his wisdom before you say anything, before you react too quickly. And God, who is a generous father, will guide you in what to say and how to respond. This is how we love God with our emotions. So let me wrap this up by giving you some very practical steps. I want to introduce you to three questions that you can ask yourself that can help you submit your feelings and your emotions to God whenever you experience them. So when you're angry or upset or frustrated or scared, whatever you're feeling, consider these three questions. Number one, what's the real reason I'm feeling this? Why am I angry right now? Or why am I frustrated? And maybe the answer is that you're afraid of something happening. Or maybe it relates to a past hurt that you've experienced, something that was done to you or something that was said to you in the past. Most of the time, what you'll find is that the initial emotion that you're feeling is really a secondary emotion that is coming from something else. See, this is part of what it means to ask God for wisdom. You slow down your reaction time and you ask those why questions. And once you track down the real reason behind the emotion that you feel, then you can ask the second question, which is this. Is this emotion true? Is what you're feeling in that moment true? Or is it just my perception of what's true? Could it be something that I've invented or assumed without having all the facts? 
there's this really old story in the Bible of a prophet. His name was Elijah. And he was going through a time of discouragement. And some say he may have even been depressed. And Elijah gets so low that he complains to God. He says, God, I'm the only one in this entire nation who still serves you. I am all alone. And God challenges him. He says basically, look, Elijah, are, are you kidding me? Look around you. There are tons of people just like you doing the right thing. So what you're saying is just not true. And in the moment of Elijah's sadness, well, it felt true. So when you feel sad or dejected or angry or frustrated, and you're having that internal conversation inside your head, slow down and just ask yourself, is what I'm believing about myself or what I believe about this situation right now, is that even really true? Then you're ready to ask the final question, which is this. Is what I'm feeling helping or hurting me? See, a lot of the feelings that we have, they seem natural, but they're just self-defeating. And remember, God's a loving Father who wants good things for you. He is for you, not against you. And if your feelings are untrue and harmful, then they can't be from God. Maybe there's something else going on. It's a signal that you might have misinterpreted and there's a better, more constructive way to respond than what you feel like doing in that moment. I'll give you a simple, real-world example of this. You go to a restaurant, and the service is extremely slow. You've been waiting forever to get your food. And you notice a family who sat down 15 minutes after you, and they already have their meal. What do you feel in that moment? Well, you're irritated. You're angry. And you can feel that emotion welling up inside you. But stop for a moment. What's the real reason you feel this way? <laughs> well, it's because you're hungry. So the real issue here is hunger. Now you can ask, well, is that true? Well, of course it is. <laughs> but are your frustrated emotions helping you in this moment or are they hurting you? I mean, if you react to the anger by yelling at the server, you gonna get any better service? Probably not. Does nagging work? Does it ever work? Think about it. When someone tells you all the things you're doing wrong, does it motivate you to want to change? No, it usually just makes you defensive. So the truth is, there's probably a better way to handle your emotions in this moment than the way that you're being tempted to react to right now. A way that's more in line with God's wisdom and the life that he's invited you to participate in. So. You see how those three questions can help you to slow down and look for wisdom for your emotions? I challenge you, take some time this week whenever you're feeling an intense emotion and ask those three questions. What's the real reason that I'm feeling this way? And is it true? And is this feeling helping me or is it hurting me? If you do that, I think you'll find yourself better able to love God and to love other people, which is what Jesus said is the most important thing we can do. And I think you'll find that it brings those fragmented pieces of your life together into a place of peace. God's answer for the brokenness in our world and our lives was something no one expected. Jesus, who had no brokenness in him, went to the cross and took on the weight of our brokenness for us to bring wholeness to our lives. And so every week, followers of Jesus around the world 
break bread and drink from cups to remember the body and blood of Jesus given for us to bring the pieces of our world and our lives into his perfect peace. We call this time communion. And if you are prepared to remember Jesus in this way today, use whatever emblems you have on hand, a cracker or a piece of bread to remember Jesus's body and a cup of juice or even water to remember his blood. But if you're here and you're not sure you believe all we do, I hope you'll use this time to reflect on all you've experienced today. Is it possible that there is a God who desires wholeness for your life? Could he bring your life to perfect peace? I believe he desires to reveal himself to you. So will you consider using these moments to reach out to him in prayer? Maybe reach out to our speaker for today through text. As we take these emblems to remember Jesus, we're going to listen to a song of commitment to God. It's a song that pledges devotion to God, even when our emotions feel broken and scattered, even when it feels like we are living in a valley. Followers of Jesus choose to praise and to trust the God who brings wholeness into our lives, instead of trusting our emotions in any given moments. So as you receive the elements of communion, commit to God every part of your life, trusting that He knows and wants what's best for you. I count on one thing The same God that never failed Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God is never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Yes, I will in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I
When we let our emotions be the guide to our decisions in life, we often end up hurting ourselves or other people. We have to take the time to stop and ask ourselves those three questions we learned about today. What is the real reason I'm feeling this right now? Is it true? Is it going to help me or hurt me? Slowing down to reflect on these things is not something that comes naturally to us, especially in our always on the go culture. So what will it take for you to start doing this in your life? Having a group of like-minded people who can help you and hold you accountable is a great start. That's why I would love for you to take a next step into our community this week. If that's something you're ready to do, I'll walk you through that right now. The first step is visiting us on our website at cccanywhere.com and look through the resources you'll find there. There is content created specifically for your children so they can also begin connecting with the God who loves them. You'll also find ways you can support our church financially if you feel led to do so. Not because we need your money, but because supporting the body of Christ means that sometimes we need to give back some of what we have been given to care for and serve others. And the next step into our community is liking us on our Facebook page so you can stay connected to what's happening. While you're visiting us on cccanywhere.com, click on the card that says join our Facebook group. You'll be redirected right to our Community Christian Anywhere Facebook page where you can then click on the join group button. I hope you'll do that because I hope this isn't your last interaction with us. We're gonna leave our chat open for about five minutes after this video ends. And I hope you'll take advantage of the opportunity to connect with others before you leave. I hope you have an amazing week. And remember, no matter what you think about God, we believe he can't stop thinking about you. I'll see you next time.